two guys, one epic journey. You're listening to The Supernatural Virgin. The following podcast is likely to contain adult language, descriptions of televised violence, and almost certainly spoilers for the CW's hit TV show, Supernatural. Supernatural and all related characters and elements are copyright, Warner Brothers Entertainment Incorporated, and no infringement of copyright is intended. Enjoy. Welcome back. My name is Darren. Hi, and I'm Vasco. And I'm hoping this time around is going to be a bit more interesting. Well, to be fair, we've only just watched two episodes, which was the pilot. Which wasn't too bad, I'll admit, and he did a good job of setting up the poor Winchester family. Then there was the one with the Wendy house <laughs> that was less successful for me. Yes, the Wendigo, that didn't really set your world on fire, did it? No, but I suppose it did help us to get to know Sam and Dean's a little better. Hmm. But that's about it. So what do we have in store this time around? More terrible CGI? (laughs) Well, before we deal with the next two instalments, let's have a little recap of the stories so far and what we're doing. What are we doing? Well... Apart from huddling round a microphone on a cold February, finding an excuse to watch Supernatural. Yes, because I need a bit more of a reason than just binging something that's 15 years old that I never watched. Hmm. Okay. Uh, Well, we're experimenting to see if my appreciation of the show is clouded by nostalgia or whether it really is a show that grabs you by the heart. On a few occasions, quite literally and has a bigger impact on its audience than the average TV show. And you are its new audience. So far, my heart is not grabbed. Well, we're literally two episodes in, so you do have to give it a chance. I will, but I'm just saying that if the pilot brought me back, then episode two wouldn't have. But maybe that's also something to do with how broadcast media has changed over the the last 15 years. Maybe waiting week by week made everyone forget how bad the previous episode was. Yeah, or or maybe there was less bad episodes than good ones. But we carry on with our Winchester road trip in a moment. So let's just talk about what's been happening first. Uh, So back in 1983, Sam and Dean's mother dies in flames on the ceiling of uh, baby Sam's bedroom. And then 20 or so years later... Sam's girlfriend Jess dies in the exact same way in front of his eyes. Two significant others, two identical deaths. I'm telling you, Sam is killing these women. Well, we also have that shadowy figure that was standing over baby Sam's cot, who Mary thought was originally her husband John, until she saw him sleeping downstairs. So I wonder if she actually knew who it was. (laughs) Is that a spoiler? Well, of course not. We're avoiding those. So, back in the present, Dean is now a hunter working with his dad, John, to find the thing that they think killed the mum, and killing all the evil supernatural things that gets in their way. But Sam has basically left them to it so he can get into law school, or so he can avoid being caught as a, I know, as the secret killer. (laughs) So, you really are sticking to that theory then. I can see why though, it's good deductive reasoning. I'm the supernatural Sherlock Holmes, is he? Well, we shall see. So, 
Daddy Winchester has vanished and Dean needs the help of his brother Sam to help track him down. So far, they've sorted out a woman in white and a Wendigo. Hold on. That's all the W's? Uh, well, there's probably a few more W's. But so far, there's still no sign of Dad. But they do now have John Winchester's journal, which is coming in pretty handy. And after the tragedy with Sam's girlfriend, Jess, they are back together and looking to save people, hunt things and keep up the family business whilst looking for Dad. Just tell me this one thing. Are they going to find him? Uh, well, you know, I can't tell you that. I'm hoping that's a yes. Are we going to get some better CGI in this new episode? Well, oh. we'll watch them in a second. Um, I will just say that I put a poll out uh, on Twitter at SPN Virgin Pod and Dead in the Water, which is the first of the next stories, was one of the most popular of our first batch. Plus, I personally do quite enjoy the whole vibe it gives off. Okay, so we have Dead in the Water, and then what? Well, and then we have Phantom Traveller. They're both mostly Monster of the Week formats, carrying on from the last episode. Well, that worked so well last time. Uh, well, yeah, to be fair, these have, I think, um, a bit more going for them than Wendigo in the story department. But let's slip them on, and then we can discuss them. Before we do that, you mentioned Twitter, and we got a message on there from Rosemary's Baby sixty nine asking about some of the photos you posted of all the supernatural merchandise, asking where it was from. Was it on convention you were at? Uh, no, no. I think if it's the pictures I'm thinking of, those are just some of the diverse range of items that you get in the uh, what would you call it? The supernatural box. It's. Um, it's like one of those subscription services that you um, they send you a box of themed merchandise uh, quarterly, so every few months. Uh, the Supernatural box is put together by a, th- a company called Culturefly, and so far, I have to say, I've never been disappointed with any of it. Are you in commission now? <laughs> no, 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 it's, this is no kind of paid partnership. <clears throat> uh, I wouldn't say no, but it's not. Um, it's just, that's where I got them all from. So they do a a really interesting range of stuff. You get shirts, you get hats, you get, uh, kitchen appliances, charms. You get a surprising mix, um, of all kinds of stuff, uh, every quarter. Charms? Like lucky charms? Well, like, um, little charms that go on a, on a charm bracelet, really. Um, it's not going to be everybody's cup of tea, um... But I do like to collect all sorts of oddities, as you know, so it suits me. Um, they do have a lot of really cool stuff, so if you're interested, uh, Rosemary's Babies, is that how you spell it? It's how she spells it. Okay, fair enough. Well, if you think that might be something that will appeal to you, then by all means give them a follow on Twitter, at the Culture Fly, or um, at Supernatural Box on Twitter, and you'll, you'll, you'll find all the stuff on there. I hope that answers your question. Mm-hmm. Is that one of the hats you're wearing right now? Actually, <laughs> yes, it is. So you. I can't tell if you're being facetious. No, I mean it. Mm, okay. Well, as I'm comfy in my hat, let's settle down for Dead in the Water and Phantom Traveller. And if you're listening and watching along with us, with your very own Supernatural Virgins, afterwards we can compare notes. <laughs> Well, that was different. Different good or different bad? I'm still protesting it. 
two more monsters added to the monster watch list. Are we keeping tabs on that? Uh, well, we can do. Um, so, a vengeful water spirit and our first encounter with a demon. I shall set up a list. The black smoke reminds me of Lost. They mm. had that black smoke monster thing on the island. That's true, yeah, they did. Uh, well, let's take them in order. First up, we have guest star Amy Acker, perhaps more famous for the likes of Alias, Angel and more recently Person of Interest. Uh, she's getting out of her depth as a mysterious entity is killing off a family using the medium of water. Yes, the Lake of Dead setting was cinematically impressive, but drowning in a sink was a bit horror by numbers for me. Uh, would you like to swim somewhere like that? A Lake of Dead? Not really, no. <laughs> no, no, I mean just a lake like that. I'd love to do it, but I'm not really the strongest swimmer. I prefer a good scuba dive, really, but that's probably because I just tend to sink. You have been bright at home there, then. I do love a good swim, and yes, if there wasn't an evil entity hiding in the water, hmm. I could have been tempted. But there is, so no thanks. Yeah, I think it's also quite good that this particular episode doesn't really lean too heavily on any complex special effects. And we get a much better take on Sam and Dean actually investigating uh, what it is that's going on. And Dean gets to show off a softer side with kids. Yes, but I thought we'd get more from Little Lucas by the end. Like maybe a warning not to trust Sam as he keeps killing all the important people in his life. Well... We got off sort of name-checking of agents here. Uh, this time it was Hamill and Ford, after the stars of Star Wars, which we know you've not seen, yes. Well, yeah, uh, this one did felt like a bit of a X-Files type of episode. Mm -hmm. And I see Kim Manners was behind the camera. Yes, absolutely. And his shooting of the vengeful spirit, Peter, in the lake is pretty impressive. I mean, I believed it. And we also have the underlying story about the bullies killing Peter. That's also a bit sad. But this whole episode's more of a story that has a kind of a whodunit or a why-they-doing-it kind of vibe. Basically, just that bit more than a turn-up-and-kill-the-monster plot that we had last time with the Wendigo. And they didn't really get rid of the spirits, did they? He just took the last one and let Lucas go. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely true. Uh, but they were, I suppose, ultimately instrumental in bringing his killing spree to an end. Mm. And they did have a positive impact on Lucas as well. Dean more than Sam. Sam, I think, is not to be trusted too much. <laughs> mm. So, on to the next uh, episode, which was Phantom Traveller. And can I start by commenting on the music? That was expensive score. Yeah, um... There is a, a certain amount of leaning towards a particular musical style on this show. That's certainly true. Dean's tastes take up most of the soundtrack. I think I saw recently on Twitter that I think it's the Supernatural Wiki uh, on supernatural.fandom.com. They're providing a breakdown of all the music used. So anyone who's looking to hunt down any of the music tracks, well, they can probably find everything they want to find about the music on there. This one was a little less investigative, but still a fair bit of a problem-solving and a bit of a different way into the story. Sam and Dean are called in by an old friend they work with um, alongside their, their dad previously. Yeah, uh, and it looks like John is now giving out Dean's number. So whatever it is that he's up to, 
is clearly more important than the family business. Sam is having a bad dreams about hunting. I wonder if that's a guilty conscience starting to surface. Well, whatever it is, all the evidence suggests that they're dealing with a demon. Sulphur is going to be a bit of a giveaway, traditionally. Is that the way demons normally possess people? Black smoke to the Bible? Mm. Well, it's a variation on a theme. Although we're told here that a person needs to have some kind of weakness. Um, I think that gets a bit retconned in the future. So they aren't sticking to their own Bruce. Not sure I like that. Doesn't that make world building harder? Well, I think it's more that as Sam and Dean get increasingly more experienced and they learn more about who they're fighting. At least that's what I'm choosing to believe. You could call it a continuity error. Or maybe the demons just get stronger. Is this an example of how fans rework the facts to suit themselves? Oh, well, I couldn't possibly comment. Anyway, uh, in a pretty radical makeover, Sam and Dean uh, get suited for action this time around. And when they dress for the part, I actually could believe that they make quite passable agents. Young agents, but passable agents. And there's a few things to unpack from this. Firstly, Dean and flying yeah, nice character trait, and it explains why he drives everywhere. Although if I had a car, I'd drive everywhere too. He also works nicely as a balance to his constant I'm so cool act. Well, Dean is cool, so be careful what you say there. Anyway, did you spot that there was a, a, a nod to the X-Files? Uh, we see Dean say to the air hostess that there isn't time for a whole the truth is out there speech. Uh, and he's also quite inventive. He's made an uh, EMF detector out of an old Walkman. Is that even a thing? Well, if anyone can do it, Dean probably can do it. Uh, EMF readers are definitely real things. They pick up uh, the electromagnetic field and uh, any disturbances in it. And supposedly, um, they'll pick up if there is some sort of presence there causing a disruption. Personally, I thought it was a little more for ghostly energies than demonic ones, but I'm clearly no expert. Oh, and there's also a little Latin error, which is a bit blink and you'll miss it. So Sam says that the Latin name for God is Christo, but it's not. That's possibly, obviously, the Latin name for Christ. Some may argue that's hair-splitting, um, but others would be cross if we let it pass unnoticed. I also like the race against time element, although I'm not sure I ever really felt like the boys were in danger of dying, mm. but I did add a layer of uh, threat, I yeah. guess. Mm. Yeah. And Jess gets a name check. Yeah, she does. So the demon tells Sam that he knows what really happened to Jess. So Sam had to kill it, or be exposed I guess. well that's one possibility but i'll say this uh, if i were them and this is in all seriousness then i think if i've been hunting since i could talk i'd have memorized the exorcism ritual i just would have done i'm surprised that dad didn't make them seems like the sort of thing mm. he'd have done yeah exactly and that would really fit in with how he's raised them and i guess at some point we'll see that a bit more and now I know that was a spoiler. Well, a teeny tiny one. But I think we get a lot of clues about Dean and Sam's formative years, not least through the references they use. Uh, we got a famous horror movie reference in this episode. Did we? Yeah, yeah. De Dean talked about pea soup vomit, which is delightful. Um, but that's a direct link to The Exorcist. 
And there is a tendency for a lot more movie references to creep in as the series progresses. Um, a lot of them, most of them, are like 80s movies that they've probably watched on cable or VHS whilst hanging out in motels. I might miss some 80s references before my time. Well, I'll try and keep an eye out for them then. So, if that has changed his voice mode to direct people to call Dean's instead, does that mean he's not planning on coming back anytime soon? Hmm. Well, if so, I wonder what it is up to. Working out how to kill some. Well, uh, I'm really glad you're keeping an open mind on that one. <laughs> it's so obvious. What's coming next? Okay, so next we have Bloody Mary. Good, I'm thirsty. Oh, hilarious. Um, and after that, we're going to have Skin. Now, these are two very different types of episode. Well, we still want to hear what you out there think about this episode we just watched. Do you agree with our thoughts? What are your favourite moments? Well... I have one of my favourite lines from Phantom Traveller that, to me, sums up Sam and Dean in a single line. Go on. Well, it's where Dean says, Dude, stow your touchy-feely self-help yoga crap. It, for me, epitomises Dean's view of Sam (laughs) at this time. Um, And it's kind of accurate. I just love how the relationship is drawn. Um, I'm just glad there was no crappy CGI getting in the way this time. I mean, the smoke was a bit on the edge, but overall, better. Well, much better. Let's, that's, that's good. So let's see if there's an upward trend um, in the CGI and the effects, and if that carries on, my wayward son, into the next couple of episodes. What? So, as Vasco said, we'd also love to read your thoughts on Bloody Mary and Skin. So look us up on Twitter, hashtag SPNVirgin, and remember, it's never too late to capture your own supernatural virgin. Sit them down and get them involved. Also, let us know if there is anything you'd like to consider or talk about in relation to Supernatural. Any suggestions that will help me lose my Supernatural virginity will be welcome. Obviously, within a reason. Yeah. So, on that, did you manage to do your homework? You were going to try and find out what was significant about Lawrence, Kansas. Yes, yes. I nearly forgot. So... I don't know if this is it, as it wasn't mentioned in the episode unless I completely missed it. Mm-hmm. But just down the road from Lawrence, yep. it's Stowe Cemetery. Stowe Cemetery, yeah. Which is supposed to be the most haunted cemetery or some kind of getaway yeah. or portal to hell, yeah. which is pretty creepy. It's very creepy. And yeah, there are a lot of legends and ghost stories about Stowe Cemetery. And no, it wasn't mentioned in the episode. Uh, You're quite right, but maybe, just maybe, it will be one day. Another spoiler. You're really terrible at not doing spoilers. Yeah, no, I am. But in fairness, that was more of an observation of the plotting. Uh, Eric Kripke, who created and shaped the show with the help from the likes of Robert Singer and Kim Manners, we mentioned earlier, had a real clear plan for the first five years. And that was the story that he was initially planning to tell. So... There's a lot of world building in his early episodes, but also a lot of seed sowing to things that we'll be exploring or returning to in the future. So apologies if that was a bit spoilery, but I think it is something that we can reflect on in the future. No, no, fair enough. But I thought you said there was 15 years of this to get through, not just five. Ah, well, I guess the show wasn't ready to die young. Okay, well, 
I need a comfort break and a drink, and then we can get into Bloody Mary. Excellent. Well, then, until next time, Cristo. Cristo? You've been listening to The Supernatural Version with me, Darren. And me, Basco. With music by Bradley Burton. Please do remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Adios, bitch. Jerk. Wait, why do you want me to say that? Don't be afraid.